Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us and your kindness. We thank you for Christ. We thank you that Christ does bring joy to the world and that we can partake of that joy freely. We thank you for the gift uh, that you've given to us. We thank you for salvation and the atonement. We rejoice in what you do. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I want to look at uh, primarily one verse today. Uh, it's Luke 2, verse 11. And Luke 2, 11 says this, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now you may recall that I preached uh, from this, I loosely preached from this text as well as some other ones last week. Um, and as I was considering what to preach on today, uh, I wanted to go back to the same verse uh, because last week really what was emphasized and what I wanted to highlight for us was the Christ is Lord portion of that verse. And we talked about the significance of the deity of Christ, the importance of that. Um, but today what I want to do is just lean on the Savior portion of this verse. Um, the reason for this is because what I want to do is, to, is I want to bring uh, today's service kind of to, to, to maybe wrap all of this up regarding what are we to do with Christ? What, what, what is, is it just nice songs that we sing? Is it nice holiday feelings that we have? What, what, what is it specifically that we are called to, to do with, with Christ? Uh, I want to talk about Christ from the perspective of who he is and why he came. And I'll say that the, the various views of Christ that our culture has and that our culture has created, they're really a dime a dozen. Uh, you can go talk to anyone on the street and, and you could find as, as many views on Christ as there are people. Christ is this, Christ is that, he, he was this, he was that. Um, the early church, and this is, this is something that has been going on from the beginning of the church, and the early church uh, dealt with a number of, of heresies about Christ regarding his person and his, his work, and you may know some of them from your reading in church history, and they always had strange names for these heresies, but you have things like Ebionism or Arianism or uh, Docetism or Apollinarianism and so on and so forth, and all these kinds of uh, heresies or, or, or wrong views of who Christ is or why he came. Today, the various views that we have on Christ tend to be different from these early views in that today, people are more likely to propose what they think of Christ based upon sentimentality, I think. So you might be able to quickly identify this because today someone might say something like this, to me, Christ is, or I feel like Jesus is, or something like that. It really has its source and authority in the self. To me, this is who Christ is. One of the effects of kind of our modern way of thinking in our, in our, in our present day culture and what we might call the spirit of the age is that in general, in general, people tend to view themselves as authoritative. P people tend to 
make appeals to self because I feel this way or I think this way, therefore this is truth. And in a previous generation, I, I think we tended to look more outside of ourselves to discover truth, and today we look within to find truth. And thus, the, the way that modern man discovers, quote-unquote, religious truth is through sentimentality. And so in light of this, modern man has several different views of Christ that I would suggest to us conflict with a biblical understanding of Christ. And I just want to uh, list some of these views uh, of Christ. And so we had maybe a few of them from the early church. And these are some that, that I, I uh, think are um, kind of prominent today. You can have the pacifist Jesus. Uh, in other words, Jesus was a Christianized version of Gandhi. And, and that's, that's merely who he, he was. You might have the moral Jesus. He was a good moral teacher. He was a good man, and he taught us good things, but nothing more than that. You also have uh, what I would call the affirming Jesus. Jesus, in the name of love, affirms everyone where you are. You don't need to change because you as you are is, 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 is what's good. You also have the prosperity Jesus. Jesus provides physical and material prosperity to you if you have enough faith. You have, and I think all of these could be called this, but I'll put it in its own category here. You have the sentimental Jesus. Jesus makes you feel good about yourself. And then for Christmas today, I'll add uh, the Christmas Jesus. You know, Jesus, uh, these images of Jesus in the manger give us warm holiday feelings, right? And what I want to accomplish today really is merely this. I simply want to point my finger at the Jesus of the Bible, this right here. This is who Christ is. This is what scripture tells us. I want you to see and trust in the truth. And I want us to know this. The stakes are high. The the stakes of rejecting the the Jesus of the Bible are very high. And I also would like us, hopefully we'll see this by the conclusion, to celebrate Christ. To celebrate what he's come uh, to do and who he is. What I want for us today is to understand the significance of what is going on here. What kind of an event in history would warrant all of this celebration, all of this feasting, and all of this joy? What what kind of an event would cause angels to erupt into praise saying, Glory to God in the highest? What kind of an event would cause Simeon to say, my eyes have seen your salvation? What would cause Zechariah to say, God has raised up a horn of salvation for us? What would cause Mary to say, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior? What would cause the Old Testament prophets like Isaiah to say, Unto us a child is born, and his name shall be called Mighty God. What would cause all of this? Why all of the fanfare? Could it be that Jesus was merely a good person? Could it be that that's all that he was? 
Could it be that the angels and prophets were coming and rejoicing and celebrating because Jesus was coming to affirm all of us just as we are? Could it be that Jesus was coming so that we could have uh, warm holiday feelings and cute manger scenes? Could that be the purpose of his coming? Or must all this fanfare point to something greater, something deeper than all of this? Well, I think you probably know the answer, but let's look at a couple of verses. Uh, we've already looked at it, but we'll, we'll look at it again. Luke 2.11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a what? Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Or Acts 13 and verse 23, Of this man's offspring God has brought to Israel a what? Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Or 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 10 that says, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our, what? Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Or Titus 2.13, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and what? Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, this uh, may be... Uh, so, uh, we, we may understand this so much that it's, we don't need to say it, but we're going to say it anyways, okay? The fact that Jesus is seen so frequently in the New Testament as our Savior implies something very significant. We need saving. It, if, if Jesus is characterized over and over and over again as our Savior, and this is something that is emphasized then it means that there's something wrong here. Something about me requires a Savior. This means that one cannot appreciate Jesus Christ if one does not acknowledge the fact that we're in trouble. You, you can't uh, have your cake and eat it too, right? You, you can't say, Jesus is my Savior, and by the way, I'm good enough that I don't require saving. You, you can't have it both ways. Let me say it this way. If you are on good terms with Jesus, then you are not on good terms with your flesh. And if you are uh, on good terms with your flesh, you are not on good terms with Jesus. To celebrate Jesus part and parcel of what comes with the celebration this time of year at Christmas, to celebrate Jesus is to condemn yourself. It, it is to say that I need what Jesus has because I don't have it. I need salvation because Jesus offers it. And this is why the world wants to reduce Jesus to something other than Savior. It doesn't matter what it is. It, it, take your pick. As long as it's not Savior Jesus. As long as it's not Lord Jesus. Sentimental Jesus doesn't require you to go to war with your flesh. He doesn't. Sentimental Jesus lets you keep your flesh. How do we respond then to all that we've heard today, the, the scripture reading, the, the, the singing, music, 
and even here, Luke 2.11. How do we respond to that? What, what should change? What, what is broken that needs fixing? What is your deepest need? What is your deepest need? You ever ask anyone that question? That, that's, a good, that's actually, by the way, a good uh, intro question to uh, sharing the gospel with someone. What do you think your deepest need is? And you'll get various answers all over, all over the place. What is our deepest need? We, we are tempted to believe that our deepest problems are not spiritual and therefore they do not require repentance. I can fix things on the outside, my broken relationships or um, my sinfulness or whatever it is, it just needs a little bit of tidying up on the outside. And so if you are someone here today who is an unbeliever, that means that you are without Christ. That means you have not been born again. If, if that is you, then the charge would be simple. How would you respond to this service today? It would simply be recognize that you need Jesus the Savior, not Jesus the Affirmer, or Jesus the Sentimentalist. Jesus died so that you could be rescued from the wrath of God because of your own depravity. That's why Jesus died. And so here's the charge. Repent and trust on Christ. Repent and believe in the gospel. You do not know how much time you have. You don't know. Repent and believe. Any one of us could drive out on this road as we're leaving today and be hit by a car and it's over with. Not any of us is guaranteed another minute. Repent and believe. If you have not trusted in Christ, I want to make an offer that I frequently make, and that is that after the service today, I am happy to talk with you as long as it takes to understand uh, where, where you are and, and, and what repentance and trust in Christ looks like. And if you are a believer here today, that is to say you are someone who is born again, so, someone who has trusted in Christ as your Savior, the charge then is not to pull away from the celebration. The, the, the charge is not to say, well, I, I want to avoid all of these wrong views, so I'm just not going to celebrate at all. No. The charge actually is to move in closer to the celebration. The, the, we, we are to engage in the celebration all the more. We want to go further in and further up in the celebration. We can sing and we can celebrate and we can feast because we love what Christ has done for us. Because we love that Christ has taught us to deny ourselves. Because we love that Christ has sacrificed himself for us. And to us, this is better than mere sentimentality. The more we grow to be more like Christ, the sweeter the celebration becomes to us. Christmas this year 
should be the sweetest Christmas you've ever experienced because you know Christ more and because you recognize more than you did last Christmas how needful you are and how sinful you are and how depraved you are and how holy Christ is and how he bridged that gap doing something we could never imagine. And so go further in and further up in the celebration. Enjoy Christ more. And I'd like to maybe add one thing to this. We do a lot of discussion here at Crossview Church about running to Christ. Maybe one day I'll do a message just on that. What does it look like to run to Christ? It's not some esoteric, ambiguous kind of thing. What what does it mean to run to Christ? Well, I'll say one aspect of what this means. I want to remind us that running to Christ requires repentance. And this is for the believer, too. Now, I want to be very clear that we don't believe that you can lose your salvation, but we do believe that after we are saved, we maintain our relationship with God through continued repentance. We should be continually repenting because we are continually sinning. And so... Part of running to Christ is asking Christ to forgive us for our sins, to repent. Christ is our Savior. And so we need to acknowledge that He knows what is best for us. He knows what we need better than we do ourselves. And so I encourage us to run to Christ. Through acknowledgement of our own sin and a recognition that we need Him, and running to a loving Savior who embraces us. And with all of these things in mind, here's what I would like to encourage us to do. Go and celebrate. Rejoice in the gospel. Rejoice in Christ. Rejoice in the incarnation. Rejoice in the cross. Rejoice in salvation. Rejoice that Christ is our Savior. Let us sing, let us feast, let us celebrate, and let us be joyful knowing that we have Christ. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, again for this time. Thank you for salvation and thank you for the gospel. And I do pray, even as we have talked about here for just a few moments, that if there is anyone who doesn't know Christ as Savior, if there's anyone who's not repented and believed upon Christ, that you would work in their heart so that, um, uh, that they would come to trust you today. We are asking you to do this work because we know you are the one who does this work. And so we rely on you for that, and we ask you for grace, favor. We pray as well that as we go and this week celebrate Christmas in various locations and perhaps maybe some are traveling, that you would help us to look for opportunities to point others to Christ and to the gospel. We thank you for this time. We thank you for Christ. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.